This week, I talk about persecution and being scattered and being triggered and Philip. Did you know Philip was a server? Yeah, Philip waited tables, but you didn't know that. Maybe you did. Either way, are you ready? Welcome to the Church 2060 Podcast, where we talk about all things church, where we've been, what we've learned, and where we're going. I'm Mike Brewer. Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is the Church 2060 Podcast. I am your host, Mike Brewer. Thank you so much for listening. If you are new to the show, the Church 2060 Podcast is about taking an issue in the church, looking at where we've been on the issue, what our perspective is, looking at what we've learned about that issue, and then deciding what are we going to do about it and how do we want to leave these things when we're done with ministry. However, right now we are in the middle of a new series titled the Post-2020 Neo-Church. And the Post-2020 Neo-Church is a church that has survived 2020 and has figured out a way to thrive despite everything that's happened. In other words, churches that can't meet, churches that aren't allowed to sing, churches that have had their power turned off. What are we learning? What are we doing about it? And is it just fighting or is it much more? So today we're going to take another look at this post-2020 neo-church and another characteristic that this church should have. And that characteristic is what I'm calling scattered and triggered. Yes, scattered and triggered. Sounds like a title for a different podcast, but it is not. It is a title for podcast about the post-2020 revived church. So let's get into it. What I want to do is read a little bit of scripture first, straight from the book of Acts. And generally, I like to tell a story first and tell you where I'm coming from and then get into some scripture. But today, I want to do it a little bit different. See, I want to start in the book of Acts right after Stephen was stoned. Now, this is a weird moment because Saul is kind of introduced. And Saul later becomes Paul, who is pretty much the father of the church as we know it. But here, this section opens up with Saul in complete agreement with the killing of Stephen. So I want to go just read eight, eight verses, I think, out of the book of Acts. And it starts like this. Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women, throwing them into prison. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. and Many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city that day. Now, this is an interesting passage to me, because not only is it birthed directly out of the stoning of someone who is very godly, but it goes directly into persecution. A great wave of persecution began that day. 
right, right after St- Stephen's stoning, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And then something very interesting happens. We're told that the believers were scattered and the believers were sharing their faith everywhere they went. That shouldn't surprise us in the book of Acts. If it was today, it might surprise us a little bit, right? Because the believers generally aren't doing a lot of sharing the gospel. But at this moment in history, the believers scattered because of persecution, and then they shared the gospel everywhere they went. Now, not only is that awesome, but there's a key piece I want to hone in on real quick. And it's that right there in that very beginning, it says a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And then this is it right here. And all the believers, except the apostles, were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Now, these believers are out sharing their faith everywhere they went. But you know who they were without? You know who they did not do it with? Their leaders. That's right. The apostles were not scattered with them, and it didn't matter. They still left sharing their faith everywhere they went. We're also getting our attention brought to someone who we've heard from before or seen before in the text, and it's Philip. It tells us that Philip went to Samaria and told people about the Messiah. The crowds were eager to hear his message. Now, we know Philip from before, right? Philip was one of the dudes that was chosen to be a server so that the apostles didn't have to stop preaching the gospel, right? This was a dude who was a willing servant. Even so, he was willing to wait tables. But eventually, when persecution came, he was out preaching the gospel. Now, let me just just be straight to the point what excites me about this passage. The apostles stayed behind. Persecution came and scattered the believers. When the believers were scattered, the first thing they did was start sharing their faith everywhere they were. Okay? It wasn't a matter of, we are uh, being persecuted, we're going to go hide. It was, we are going to leave and we are going to share our faith everywhere we go. I'm not making this up. It says, verse 4, but the believers, right? And it says, but, because right before that, it says that Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. The believers scattered and preached the good news wherever they went. That is awesome. The believers were preaching the word wherever they went. Now, this passage goes on, uh, and this chapter, I should say, goes on and, and talks about Simon the sorcerer. And if you, you want to read that story, it's very good. You know that story, I'm sure. But, you know, it gets weird. It gets messy. There's some, there's some weird stuff in this chapter. Uh, Simon became a believer and then didn't quite get it and didn't go well for him. And, re- and more repentance came. But the fact of the matter is that despite any weirdness, despite challenges that came, the believers were out sharing the gospel. There's a lot I want to get to, especially when it comes to what's going on in the country right now. And we're going to start by talking about persecution that's going on in the country. Now, recently I had a chance to talk to someone who spent double-digit years over in China and came back. And he recognizes that there's some persecution going on in our country right now. And he said, it would have been nice to have it so bad over in China. Just kind of making the joke like, yeah, I see there's persecution here. Uh, it may be at step one, but there's persecution here. But you don't know persecution until you've seen what's going on in China. So understand what I'm about to talk about. When I say persecution, I'm talking about the small things that are happening in this country that are probably 
sending us in a direction we don't want to go. Sending us to a place where we don't want to think about because it challenges everything we do right now. And it challenges us on a level to look at things from a perspective that does something besides fight. When someone challenges us or challenges us in a way that we think takes away our rights, we instantly want to fight. That's the, that's the American way. We have religious freedoms. You try to take them away, we will fight. Well, that's fine. But I tell you today that we have to have something else in our tool chest. We have to have another arrow in our quiver besides a fight. And that's what I want to talk about today. What are we doing besides being triggered to fight? Let's take a quick break to talk about something very important. Are you a church leader that deals with the church's finances? Do you find that a good deal of time is taken up dealing with bookkeeping? It's unavoidable. Between giving, giving statements, bookkeeping, payroll, deductions, direct deposit, your time is precious. It seems like too much time can be swallowed up dealing with these issues while ministry opportunities can be missed. It happens to all of us. Or maybe your situation is one where there just needs to be a change. It's a very big deal to have someone who is fully invested and understands the liabilities involved. Did you know that more money is lost through bad bookkeeping than is spent annually on global missions? That's a true story. These reasons are why I want to tell you about Evermore Financial Services. Evermore Financial is owned and operated by ministry partners. They are both church planters. And that matters because they understand the struggle and have come to specialize in handling church finances. Evermore Financial offers customizable solutions for all church accounting needs, whether it's online giving, giving statements, payroll, direct deposit, payroll deductions, housing allowance, or even W-2s. Whatever the needs are, the staff at Evermore understands and are ready to help. If this sounds like your needs too, whether it's today or three months from now, we want to talk. Your time is valuable to the kingdom and Evermore Financial is here for you. And did I mention that the owners of Evermore Financial actually do care about the financial success of your ministry? They do. They really do. For your peace of mind, Evermore is invested in current technology to make sure that your convenience, privacy, and security are always a top priority. Through our cloud-based accounting software, you can have immediate and always up-to-date access to any of your accounts from anywhere, anytime. Your peace of mind and accessibility are important to us, so we always want you to have easy access to your books. While we can assist any business that is looking to grow, Evermore Financial Services specializes in nonprofits, particularly church planning and operations. Don't just take our word for it. Check out this testimonial from a local church. Evermore Financial Services continues to be a fantastic partner of ours. Not only are they consummate professionals in all of their interactions, but they provide us with a personal touch in helping us to manage and plan our financial strategy. Their attention to detail is a strong point in their process, and they are incredibly proactive, helping us to anticipate and plan for financial events. Their integrity is impeccable. If you have a church, nonprofit, or a small business, that could benefit from a financial supporter, you would be well served to partner with Evermore Financial Services. If it sounds like this could be a fit for your needs, let me know. If you're thinking that this might be a need down the road, we want to hear from you. We get it. If you have any questions or you're ready to talk, email me. I am Mike at EvermoreFS.com. That's Mike at E-V-E-R-M-O-R-E-F-S.com. We're looking forward to hearing from you. And in the meantime, check us out at EvermoreFS.com. Okay, what I want to do now is talk a little bit about the persecution we are seeing in the United States. 
If you've had the news on at all since COVID, you've noticed that there have been incidents and pockets where the country where churches have been told by the state not to have services. In some places, like where I am, the governor said, please don't have services because he knew that we have freedoms as uh, Americans, a freedom of religion and, and constitutional rights to say we can assemble and have our religious services. But he did say, look, guys, if you... You know, and in, in my own words, this is kind of a paraphrase. If you love each other like Christ loved the church, then probably shouldn't get together in these big groups and have service. It just makes sense. And a lot of the bigger churches stopped having big services. And in a lot of cases, that just made sense. You know, you don't want to cram 2,000 people into an auditorium during COVID and say, all right, we're going to have church. Don't worry about it. We're believers. You're not going to catch anything. It just didn't make any sense. You know, the same reason why you don't walk in front of traffic and say, you know what? I'm not afraid of cars, so I'm going to have some faith over fear right now. It just doesn't always make a ton of sense. And I know that might be inflammatory. That statement might not be the way you think or the way you believe, but that's where I am. And uh, that's, you know, if that's a problem, I get it. But I also believe that there are certain things we should do that are simple things to protect ourselves. I, I do know a few people personally who have passed away because of COVID. And I know the arguments people will say, well, you don't know that it was COVID. It could have been something else. I've, you know, I, I endlessly hear about people saying this person died in a car wreck and they put it down as COVID. I'm not talking about any of the nonsense. I'm talking about people who contracted COVID and lost their lives. So let's get back before I, before I go down that road and get upset. Uh, let's go down the road of persecution. There were some instances in our country where the state said, you are not allowed to have services. And the churches took this as an affront and said, we have freedoms. We are going to have services anyway. And then this government came down and said, you're not able to sing in church anymore. They gave the same edict to the churches as they did concerts, saying that's a real strong way to be spreading COVID. And the church took that as an affront and an attack on their freedoms. And the churches decided, we're still going to have service. We're still going to sing. We'll wear a mask, but we're still going to do our thing. We have freedoms and rights. And it escalated and escalated and got ugly. And I've heard reports of churches having their power turned off by the state because they refused to comply with the state's orders on having church. Now, you can look at this any way you want to. You can say, well, the church should have complied. We need to stop the spread of COVID. Or you can say, you know what? The church has constitutional rights. This is an attack. This is our freedoms being taken away. And either way, I think you're right. This isn't, this is a loss of religious freedoms that we that are protected by the Constitution. This is also an instance where we probably should be taking a better look at how we're handling things and how possibly we can be spreading COVID-19 virus. So at the end of this, I'm not headed down that road to decide what's right and what's wrong, what the government should be doing. But here's the thing. We are seeing persecution in small waves. We are seeing religious freedoms under attack in small ways. You may disagree and think it's large ways, but I tell you we are not meeting in homes because it's illegal to be Christians. Okay, there's a big difference to me. There are places in this world where it is illegal and you will be killed because you are a believer in Jesus. We are not there in the United States and we are not even close, which leads me to the point of today. Leads me to the topic at hand. When I named this episode, the scattering and the triggering, 
what I wanted to talk about today. See, Acts chapter 8 talks about the church coming under persecution, Saul going house to house, trying to throw the believers in prison. Stephen had just been stoned. There was serious persecution going on in the first century. And I want us to take a look at how the believers reacted and which portion of the believers reacted in what way. Okay, we just read it. The believers scattered. The apostles stayed behind. The believers left, and everywhere they went, they shared the gospel. Now, I don't know about you, but that gets me excited, because not only did they share the gospel wherever they went, their first response to persecution was to share the gospel wherever they went. That was their first response, okay? They were triggered And when they were triggered, they were triggered to sharing their faith. They weren't triggered to fight. They weren't triggered to get on Facebook and start an argument. They weren't triggered to tell everybody how terrible things have gotten. They were triggered. And when they were triggered, they became sharers of their faith. Even Philip, right? We get to know Philip a little bit. He was a guy who was a, a, I just talked about this. He was a guy who served He waited tables so that the apostles could continue preaching, and now he's off on his own preaching because he was persecuted. Now, I can't help but think, what is our first reaction to persecution? It's easy. It's an easy answer. I see it constantly, everywhere, everywhere I turn and look. We're persecuted as believers. We fight. We vote. We start arguments. We get on Facebook. We make sure everybody knows our position. They'll call in to talk radio. Everything. You know, there's a, there's, a, there's a group, there's a subset of Christians that all they want to do is fight. There's some that are kind of passive. There's some that, that want to fight by voting. But no matter where you land on that perspective or on that scale, the first reaction, you're triggered. You're triggered to fight. Now, I'm not going to say that's totally wrong. Because we do have religious freedoms, and there's no reason why we should roll over and just let them be taken away from us. There's not. But that shouldn't be the only thing we're triggered to. We should be triggered to something other than fighting. We didn't see a lot of that in the New Testament. We didn't see a lot of that in the birth of the church. Jesus, the only time he got into arguments was with the religious leaders of the day. Paul would get upset with churches for doing things stupid or, you know, sin they were involved in or weirdness, right? Sometimes Paul would get upset because he didn't get arrested, but he had to defend himself. But it wasn't a matter of persecution comes and it's time to fight. Persecution came for these guys and they chose to share the gospel. They were triggered to sharing their faith. And when I think about this post-2020 neo-church, this revived church, and when I say that, I don't mean a church in revival, I'm tired of hearing about revival needs to come because that's a choice we can make as believers. As church leaders, we can make that choice right now and say, we are in revival right now. Not wait for it to come. We are in revival because we can bring the kingdom principles into our life and into our church. And one of those things we can do is be triggered when persecution comes to sharing our faith. There might come a day, and a lot of people say it's more than a might, but there might come a day that where we cannot go to a building and worship together any longer. That sounds horrible. That sounds like we've just lost everything. But there's a lot of churches right now that aren't meeting because of COVID. Some of them plan to get back to normal January 1st. But you see the numbers. You see how many people have got COVID. People are going back to school when COVID's being spread all over the place. This probably isn't going to happen. 
This January 1st imaginary moment that we think everybody's going to go back to church probably isn't going to happen. And as we see persecution creep in, it's not hard to imagine a day where we cannot meet in a building as believers. And it wouldn't surprise me if it also came a day that's not too far away where a lot of these buildings and churches can no longer fund what is going on because of what's happened with COVID. You see it in businesses already. Businesses are closing. People are feeling the pinch of not having enough money coming in. Churches are not exempt from that. This is not a time where we should sit back and say, let's just wait for things to get back to normal. A post-2020 revived church is a church that is triggered by persecution, that is triggered by not being able to meet the way we used to meet, and they are triggered to sharing the gospel. Because let me tell you something, if empty church buildings because of COVID means that we do nothing, then we have a problem. And I can promise you, with the number of nominal or marginal Christians we have in this country, that not a lot is happening. Not a lot has happened since COVID. Most churches set up an online service and moved on, kept going. Some of the bigger churches are renting out parks. Some of them are having services now at a third or less than 50% of capacity. That's what's happening. And I have to ask myself, are we being triggered to share our faith? Number one. Number two, as church leaders, have we equipped the people in our church for when the time comes that they have to scatter, that they are out sharing their faith? Have we done that? Have we come close? Have we developed leaders in our church that are doing that too? Those are hard questions we have to ask ourselves. But a church that survives, a church that survives a time when we can't get together and meet in our buildings is a church that knows when it's time to drop everything and share their faith. Post-2020, revived church is triggered. And when it's triggered, it shares its faith. There's a lot we can learn from Philip. You may be someone who is a leader in your church, or you may be someone who is a servant in your church. And you're the guy or you're the girl, you clean, you serve coffee, but you're not the person that shares your faith. Maybe you're a leader in the church and you don't really share your faith either. If we're not sharing our faith right now, folks, what are we doing? Philip was a guy who served tables. Then he went on to scatter and share his faith when persecution came. This is where we need to be. This is where we have to go next. This is where we need to be right now because there's not time for revival. There's time for us to be revived and move forward. Things are not going back to the way they were. And if you find a way to go back to the way, excuse me, if you find a way to go back to the way things were, you're missing out because it's time for there to be change. It's time for us to be concerned about things like sharing our faith. Yes, fight for your freedoms. But yes, Share your faith like we're running out of time, because we are. This has been the Church 2060 Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, please hit subscribe, and you will be notified when new episodes drop. Also, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, I am at Church 2060 Online. And until next time, may hope and peace be with you.